Do you know what the word gullible means? Let me say it in a sentence for you so you can guess. Are you ready? Okay. My little sister is so gullible, she believed me when I told her that snow tasted just like ice cream. So you guessed it, right? Gullible means easily fooled or easily tricked. Hello everyone, I'm Kathleen Pelly. Welcome to Journey with Story. Today's episode is a tale from Belgium about a poor man who is so gullible he ends up losing the calf that he was meant to be taking to market. But luckily, his wife is not so gullible and she finds a way to punish the tricksters who took advantage of her husband. Thanks to all of you who have been rating and reviewing our podcast and if you haven't done so already, can you take a moment please to rate and review wherever you listen to our podcast? Oh, and don't forget, if you want some colouring sheets for your little listeners to colour along as they listen to the story, just go to www.journeywithstory.com. Now, let's take a journey with the magic cap. There was once a poor countryman whose neighbours claimed had no more wits than he was born with, and that was not many. He was indeed a simple-minded fellow, and anybody could get the better of him. One day, the countryman's wife said to him, Jan, put on your best smock and your soundest clogs, and go to the market to try and sell our calf. She is a good calf, and you ought to get at least a hundred francs for her. Away went Jan along the road to the market town with the calf behind him. He felt quite glad to be out on this fine spring day, and he hummed a merry tune as he plodded along. Three students who were lounging at the door of an inn saw him pass, and noticing his air of simplicity, thought it would be good fun to play a joke upon him. So one of them went up to him and said, Good morning, friend. How much are you asking for your goat? Goat? answered the peasant in surprise. This is not a goat. A calf, it's a calf. Oh, indeed, said the student politely. And who told you that? It was my wife, answered the peasant. Jan, she said, go to the market and try to sell our calf. I'm sure she said calf. I could not make a mistake about such a thing. Your wife was playing a joke on you said the student. Anybody can see that this is a goat. If you don't believe me, ask the next person you meet on the road. And he went off, laughing. Jan continued his walk, a little troubled in his mind, and before very long he saw the second of the students coming toward him. Hey, stay a minute, sir, he cried. Do you mind looking at this animal of mine and telling me what sort of a creature it is? Why, it's a goat, of course, answered the student. You're wrong, said the peasant. It's a calf. My wife says so, and she could not be mistaken. Have it your own way, replied the student. But if you take my advice, you won't pretend that animal is a calf when you get to the market. 
unless you want to be laughed out of the town. Ah, said Jan, and he went on his way, muttering to himself and casting many a troubled glance at the innocent calf who ambled along peacefully behind him. If it is a goat, it ought to have horns, he said to himself, and it hasn't got any horns. But if it is a calf, hmm, it will have horns when it grows to be a cow. Hmm, perhaps it is a goat calf. I wonder whether goat calves have horns. And he continued to puzzle his poor brains about the matter until he was suddenly interrupted by a shout from the side of the road. The shout came from the third student who had been waiting for him. Hello, you there! cried the student. How much do you want for your goat? 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 murmured the peasant in dismay. Here, take the thing. If it's a goat, I don't want it. But I was sent to market to sell a calf. You may have it for nothing. I'll make you a present of it. And so saying, he pushed the cord into the student's hand. Then turning his back without another word, he retraced his steps towards his home. When his wife heard what had happened, she was furious. You stupid lout, she cried. Could you not see that you were being made a fool of? And she called them all the names she could lay her tongue to until the poor fellow blushed and hung his head for shame. Her anger did not last long, however, for she was a good woman and she knew that her husband's simplicity was not his fault, but his misfortune. Fortunately, she had quite enough wits for them both and instead of wasting more time in reproaches, she set to work to think how she might pay back the practical jokers and give them a taste of their own medicine. It did not take her long to think of a plan and as the first step towards carrying it out, she put on her bonnet and went off to the town, where she called at three inns, paying at each of them for a dinner for four persons, the dinner to be eaten on the next market day. Returning home, she explained the plan to her husband and gave him very exact instructions as to the part he was to play. When the next market day came round, Jan set off for the town and by the door of the very first inn on the road he met the three students. They exchanged a sly smile when they saw him and one of them said, Good morning, good fellow, and how do you find yourself today? I notice that you have no goat with you this time. Ha ha ha, laughed Jan. That was a good joke you played on me, but I bear you no ill will for it. Come in and have a hearty breakfast on me. I'm in funds this morning and I'll willingly stand a treat. The student accepted Jan's offer with enthusiasm, for they belonged to that class of men who were always willing to accept a free meal. Accordingly, the four went into the tavern, and Jan ordered a fine breakfast to be served. When the time came to pay for it, he called the serving maid, and taking off his cap, spun it round three times on his finger. Madam, said he, everything is paid for, isn't it? 
Yes, sir, and thank you very much, answered the serving maid. The three students watched this procedure with a good deal of surprise, but Jan carried off the whole affair as if it were the most natural thing in the world. Now, my friends, said he, what do you say to a fine glass of ale to wash down our breakfast? Oh, as many as you please, answered the students joyfully. Very well, then come along with me to the next inn and you shall have one. Laughing in their sleeves at the peasant's simplicity, the students followed. After they arrived at the inn, Jan ordered the best of ales to be served for everyone. And after they had all had their fill, he called the serving maid to him, took off his cap as before, and twirled round three times on his finger. Now then, said he, everything is paid for. Isn't that so? Certainly, sir, answered the serving maid, and I am very much obliged to you. At this, the three students opened their eyes even wider than before. But Jan took not the slightest notice of their astonishment. What do you say, friends? he asked. Shall we go on into town together now and have some dinner? Excellent, cried the students. And they followed Jan to the town where he entered a third tavern and ordered dinner for four and a heap of good things were put upon the table. After they had finished, Jan called to the innkeeper. Then, taking off his cap once again, he twirled around three times on his finger and said, Everything is paid for, isn't it, my good man? Certainly, sir, said the innkeeper, bowing. But this was more than the curiosity of the students could stand. Look here, gossip, said one of them. How is it that you are able to get food and drink for nothing everywhere you go, simply by twirling your cap in people's faces? Oh, that's easily explained, answered Jan. This cap of mine is a magic cap, which was left to me by my great-great-grandmother, who was a witch. So I have heard say, if I twirl it on my finger and say, everything is paid for, well, everything is paid for. You understand me? Perfectly, said the student. My faith, but that is a wonderful cap. The very thing to have when one goes on a journey. Will you sell it to me? Well, how much will you give me for it? asked Jan. Two hundred francs. Nonsense. Do you think I'm going to brave my wife's anger for a paltry two hundred francs? Well, then, three hundred. Not enough. My wife says it is worth a fortune. Four hundred. Jan shook his head doubtfully, and seeing his hesitation, the student cried, Come on now, we'll give you five hundred, and not a penny more. You'd better accept, or you'll lose your chance. Well then, hand over the money. I don't know what my wife will say, but she'll give you a kiss for making such a splendid bargain, cried the student pushing a bag of coins into Jan's hand and snatching the magic cap. Hurry off home as fast as you can to tell her the good news. Then the three went away laughing, slapping each other on the back in their joy at having got the better of the simple peasant. That evening, the students, eager to take advantage of the qualities of the magic cap, invited about 50 of their friends to a splendid feast at the largest inn in the town. Everybody who was invited came, as you may imagine. 
and the resources of the innkeeper were taxed to the utmost to supply the hungry and thirsty crowd with all that they wanted. When the feast was ended, the student, Dunya Jan's cat, called the host and, twirling it three times round his finger, said, Now, sir, everything is paid for, isn't it? Paid for? cried the innkeeper. What do you mean? I've not seen the colour of your money yet. At this reply, the student's face fell. But one of his companions snatched the cat from his hands. Idiot! said he. You twirled the cat the wrong way. I was watching the peasant carefully, and he twisted it like this. So saying, he gave the cap a twirl and said, Now then, my good sir, I think you will agree that everything is paid for. I don't know whether you are trying to play a joke on me, answered the innkeeper grimly, but your idea of humour is not mine. You had better pay up at once before I call the police. Here, let me try, cried the third, and in his turn he twirled the cap and, fixing the host with his eye, repeated that everything was paid for. At this, the innkeeper flew into a passion and made such a fuss that the room was in an uproar. It was only by promising to pay him at once that the innkeeper could be quietened down and prevented from putting his threat of calling the police into execution. The banquet cost a good round sum of money, and as the three students had no money left, their invited guests were obliged to foot the bill, which they did with much grumbling. Afterwards, they took their three hosts outside and dipped them into the horse trough to punish them for their bad taste in playing practical jokes on their friends. <laughs> and a few miles away in their little cottage, Jan and his wife sat counting the 500 francs he had been given for his greasy old cap, which indeed had not been left him by his great-great-grandmother. But which was as old and ragged as though it had. Well, Jan's wife was very clever, wasn't she, to give those tricksters a taste of their own medicine? And now you know the meaning of that word gullible, don't you? It means easily fooled or tricked like poor Jan in this story. I wonder, did this tale paint any pictures in your imagination? If so, do send us your drawings. We'd love to share them with other listeners. And you might even get a shout-out on our podcast. Send them to our website at www.journeywithstory.com or on Instagram at journeywithstory. Cheerio then. Join us next time for Journey With Story. Music and post-production was by Colette Jonas. <laughs>